time for Healthy Talk Radio. By the powers vested in me, by the Federal Communications Commission. Coming to you live from the headquarters of the Global Health Network and across the world wide web. <gasps> Computers can do that? It's America's longest running radio program dedicated to your health and wellness. What's taking place here is an alternative approach. Now, the woman who's changing the face of health care each and every day. That's the fact! Yeah! Here's Deborah Ray. Good day. Welcome to Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. Well, these are sobering statistics from the Centers for Disease Control. 13.3% of our black population has diabetes. 12.8% of American Indian population. Hispanic, 9.5%. And uh, the Caucasian, the white population, nearly 9% of the total population type 2 diabetic. He has joined us from time to time because he directs the Human Products uh, Research Division at Albion Advanced Nutrition, a pharmacist, a master's degree in a pharmacy, uh, a known researcher in mineral research. Mats Motika joining us today to talk about the latest and the best of minerals in the news. You'll learn more about minerals for your health. As always, we invite you to join us right here on Healthy Talk Radio. Now, the news and views about the news you won't hear anywhere else. The Healthy Talk Radio News Digest. An intriguing published study in the Journal of Neuroscience seems to indicate that broccoli is good for the brain, at least in an animal study. So we know what that means. Send more money for more studies. This this published research suggests that the chemical sulforaphane found in broccoli and other cruciferous vegetables, the the cauliflowers, the little Brussels sprouts, could boost the condition of the blood-brain barrier should that barrier be damaged. So another boost to broccoli, um, which of course has been labeled as a superfood because of its high nutrient content, even eating broccoli once a week greatly diminishes the risk of um, prostate cancer. So they took a look at how sulforaphane, this naturally occurring chemical found in broccoli, could perhaps help brain-injured laboratory animals increase cortical expression. In other words, how their brains express themselves, certain genes. And they found that when that blood-brain barrier is damaged, it fails to protect the brain from harmful chemicals in the blood but a way to help reverse that, a way to help boost the blood-brain barrier, was eating more broccoli. Good for so many things, I know. So many of us don't like it, uh, but the benefits are clear. Speaking of the clear benefits, this is intriguing research published in the Journal of the American uh, Medical Association of Thailand. They looked at kidney stone formation, which apparently is pretty common in rural northeast Thailand. They looked at aloe's ability to promote kidney health in one study focusing on adults, another focusing on uh, children. And what they found in this now published research is that the use of aloe significantly decreased the oxalate excretion in the urine, which is often a risk factor for oxalate kidney stones, helping to reduce dramatically kidney stones and improve overall urinary health. The use of aloe 
even in children, uh, as young as age 9 to 13. So um, with the revelation, because so many of us don't drink water, because our diets are so skewed in terms of concentration of certain foods and minerals, interesting indeed, two intriguing published studies evaluating aloe, observing changes in urinary concentrations, uh, concluding that aloe vera helps promote kidney and urinary tract health and helps to dramatically reduce the incidence of kidney stones. Not to be taken lightly. Those are a pretty painful situation indeed. Well, it's intriguing research coming out of India being presented this week at the annual meeting of the American Academy of Otolaryngology, head and neck surgery in Washington. It seems to mirror, uh, mirror the situation that all too often because of um, vested interest pressure, we don't see an objective viewpoint of um, certain technologies in this country that include cell phones. What this Postgraduate Institute of Medical Education in India had to present is that long-time mobile phone users, they, that, they defined that to be somebody who had used a mobile phone for more than four years, who talk more than an hour a day, on their cell phone, much more likely to have high-frequency hearing loss. What they found is that the consonants S, F, T, and uh, Z were much more likely not to be heard correctly, which, of course, makes it very hard to understand words if you're not hearing S, F, T, and Z. Um, So why they say there's really no cause for alarm as yet, what they found is that there was a decided difference than those who use the phone less than 60 minutes a day versus those who use the phone more than 60 minutes a day. And the longer they use them, the much more likely they were to suffer hearing loss in high-frequency range, indicating may want to start using some of those hands-free devices. Well, speaking of cell phones, brings up the whole topic of electromagnetic radiation out there. A warning from the European Union's uh, European Environmental Agency calling for immediate action to reduce the exposure to radiation from cell phones, Wi-Fi, and cell phone towers. The European Environmental Agency suggesting that delaying this could lead to a healthcare crisis similar to that caused by smoking, uh, lead and gasoline, even asbestos, that the safety limits set for radiation from cell phones, Wi-Fi, and cell phone towers are thousands of times too lenient. And, of course, we now know that we live in that sea of energy. And just as Dr. Larry Dossi has commented in his book, Reinventing Medicine, we are now entering a mindset shift, a paradigm of energy. We recognize that our bodies in so many respects are currents of energy and why certainly lifestyle effect, um, lifestyle choices are important. If we take a look at traditional medicines that have stood the test of time, including Ayurvedic medicine and traditional Chinese medicine, they have much more appreciation that our bodies are energy beings as well. And that may be an important aspect of maintaining optimal health.
Well, it's uh, yet another symposium being held in Washington, D.C., the International Scientific Symposium on Tea and Human Health. Researchers in neuroscience at City College um, uh, of City University in uh, New York finding that the amino acid found in tea, theanine, alters the attention networks uh, of the brain. And after drinking tea, the amino acid found in tea, theanine, is known to be absorbed by the small intestine, cross the blood-brain barrier, increase alpha brain wave activity, which is inducing a calmer yet more alert state of mind. So, research concluding what has become a traditional um, custom, if you're feeling anxious or distracted, a cup of tea can help. Isn't that intriguing? Well, that is the most often written prescription in this country. Yes, I know Lipitor produces more money, followed by the um, acid-blocking medication, but more prescriptions are written for antidepressant medication than any other single medic- uh, medication category in this country. Now, in a, a published study, the Duke University has indicated that really regular exercise may work as well as medication in improving the symptoms of major depression. Now, keep in mind, when it comes to major depression, we have no drugs that are considered to be effective for that condition, uh, much less some of the, uh, the more natural remedies, even St. John's wort, never touted for major depression. So growing evidence that exercise may be a viable alternative to medication and patients who are receptive to exercise have a potential treatment for major depression. After 16 weeks, they found that the exercise group no longer met the, uh, the categorization, the, the clinical uh, aspects, guidelines of major depression exercise on par with antidepressant medications for aiding depression and with the exercise there's a lot of side benefits with the medications you alone can assess those risks versus the benefit to decide what's best for you we're going to return to talk with the pharmacist and director of of research at albion advanced nutrition about the latest of minerals in the news Inviting you to join us right here at 1-800-307-3002, right here on Healthy Talk Radio. America's number one source for health care information, news, and medical breakthroughs. Making America healthy coast to coast. It's Healthy Talk Radio with Deborah Ray. But I have my sources, and one of them joins us today. He's been the director of Albion Advanced Nutrition's Human Products Division and the author uh, of just a a wonderful resource in terms of minerals in the news, the research behind ongoing mineral uh, studies. He's the author of Albion's Research Notes, uh, a noted uh, pharmacist as well. He's Max Motika, who joins us today. Max, a privilege and pleasure. Hello and welcome. Good morning, Deborah. It's always uh, my pleasure and my privilege, by the way, to talk with you on your show. Well, I always know to listen to to what excites you in mineral research. What has been in the the news, the research uh, of late that has struck your interest, Max? Well, there is 
a whole lot going on, obviously. Um, one of the things that struck me in particular uh, involves the use of antioxidant minerals uh, to fight against reactive oxygen species and therefore uh, fighting against a lot of chronic diseases that are caused by reactive oxygen species. In fact, one of the reasons that uh, this was called more to my attention, because it's obviously something everybody's pretty much been aware of, but uh, there were a group of doctors that asked us to do a presentation specifically on the role of antioxidant minerals in helping fight against disorders that are associated with reactive oxygen species, and it uh, ended up uh, being quite an educational thing for myself as well. <laughs> So give us an overview of what uh, potential conditions fit into this realm and, and what sorts of uh, minerals are showing a benefit, Max. Sure. Well, uh, the ROS is this, you know, abbreviated reactive oxygen species are known to cause things such as hypertension, mm-hmm. atherosclerosis, diabetes mellitus, arthritis, inflammatory bowel disease, even infectious diseases. You know, uh, the body's major way of uh, fighting against these reactive oxygen species, of which superoxide is one, nitric oxide can be one, and they're also peroxide for that matter, but uh, uh, the main minerals that are used to combat this are the ones that basically uh, form part of the uh, superoxide dismutase enzyme systems, and those would be copper, zinc, and manganese. Those are the major ones with the SOD. Now, to fight against the peroxides that are given off by the superoxides, that requires uh, glutathione peroxidase and catalase, and these uh, enzymes require for the glutathione, for instance, selenium is needed, and for the catalase it would be iron. So if we take a look at um, you know where the Centers for Disease Control uh, say uh, say we stack up nutritionally their National Health and Nutrition Exam surveys. Recently, we were talking Max about the uh, the Grocer Institute of Great Britain surveying nutritional sufficiency, finding just across the board, young and old, particularly in teenagers, a lot of mineral as well as vitamin deficiency. Where do Americans stack up when it comes to some of these critical minerals like? Uh, zinc and manganese, selenium, as well as others? Well, it's unfortunate, but we don't stack up really any better than the people in Great Britain. Um, We have problems with magnesium, iron, and zinc in particular. Uh, Obviously, they're, you know, across the board we have some problems with copper in certain areas of the country and things such as that. But, you know, the zinc deficiency, and you talk about teenagers, uh, that is something that happens uh, often in teen years because of the growth spurts and such as that that require more zinc. And then you hear about uh, the development of acne, and zinc is uh, often required to help the body fight against acne. And, uh, you know, the teenagers are the ones that get acne, right? Absolutely. <laughs> So with the the recent research that, uh, for example, the Western-style diet has a role to play, even um, um, uh, enhancing, speeding the recurrence of diseases like prostate cancer and, and colon cancer, if we take a look at the Western diet, um, you know, uh, obviously um, you know, we, we don't find a lot of these minerals 
So when it comes to, to supplementation, what does the research tell us uh, perhaps in terms of is it a multi-mineral each day or more of a specific minerals needed in terms uh, of, uh, of really making sure that we get sufficient levels, Max? Well, the, the number one uh, studied, I think, mineral in terms of fighting against colon cancer is calcium. And calcium, of course, has been shown to be uh, a fairly good preventive if you will, for colon cancer. And that's whether it's being taken in as a supplement or if it's being taken in for the form of dairy uh, with, you know, um, things such as yogurt, even milk. But uh, the other thing that they find is that with the variety of the uh, chronic inflammatory bowel diseases, you have other uh, minerals that are needed in those areas. In particular, you would need the SOD-inducing uh, minerals such as copper, zinc, and manganese, but also uh, they find magnesium is extremely important in these individuals and helps uh, in a variety of ways. And by the way, you know, I found out something very interesting about zinc relative to this uh, just the other day, mm-hmm. and that's that uh, zinc is uh, very effective in tightening leaky gut in Crohn's disease, and that's uh, a new one on me. I hadn't realized that. Isn't that interesting? Now, the front page of today's USA Today uh, talks about Centers for Disease Control research indicating that, um, for example, the African-American population, um, over 13% of the total population diabetic, over 12% of the total, uh, uh, for example, Native American population type 2 diabetic. What what minerals in particular uh, do we find? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, uh, you know, I think that, you know, it's probably very strongly related to diet and the types of food being eaten by di- different ethnic groups. Sure. And uh, the, the main minerals, really, uh, that are involved with the type 2 diabetes development are chromium, magnesium, and zinc. And uh, I think magnesium is being found to be one of the most needed minerals in terms of trying to prevent type 2 diabetes and uh, the overall uh, syndrome X. Now, you mentioned calcium and knowing that, you know, that certain minerals, you know, work in terms of, con- in conjunction with, uh, you know, as a balance of others. Uh, we've talked in the past about, you know, how copper and zinc have an integral role in terms of, of balance. What about um, uh, calcium and magnesium? We see such a push uh, in, you know, the popular media about more calcium, more calcium. Um, do we, do we risk um, you know, not getting sufficient magnesium or actually creating an imbalance with too much emphasis well, on Well, you any- know, that's a, a very, very good point, Deborah, because one, one of the things that they're finding in a variety of uh, research projects surrounding the development of, uh, you know, things such as uh, uh, osteoporosis, but also premenstrual tension, eclampsia, and other types of bone disorders is that as you increase your intake of calcium and in the case of postmenopause when they do the increase in calcium along with estrogen therapy what you find is you have an enhanced need for magnesium and the more calcium you need the more magnesium you need or else you're going to have a problem and magnesium is just as important for bone development as it turns out as calcium is and if we take a look at um, you know the emphasis and, and well put on both men and women uh, um, you know even in our teen years on building bone density, 
um, give us an overview because obviously calcium, magnesium, yet other minerals have a role to play here as well, Max. Well, total bone uh, growth really requires calcium, magnesium, copper, zinc, even a little bit of manganese, and, of course, boron, uh, you know, as we get older, is more important. But mm-hmm. during teen years, those are the main ones, the ones I just mentioned. So when we take a look at, at you know, achieving um, optimal intake of these minerals, we'll return and talk about um, that with Max Motika. Open up the phone lines for your health care questions. Uh, we're getting an update on the latest in minerals in the news. Max Motika joining us today. He is the author of Albion's Research uh, Notes, the monthly Eden letter, Minerals in the News, the registered pharmacist who joins us today on the behalf of Albion Advanced Nutrition. 1-800-307-3002. The information on Healthy Talk Radio may be eye-opening, controversial, and disturbing to some closed-minded members of the medical community, but it is all well-documented and presented by credentialed guests as well as our knowledgeable host. It may not represent the views of this network, this radio station, or its sponsors, but hey, that's life. You're listening to Healthy Talk Radio, where Max Motika pharmacist, the director of human products division at Albion Advanced Nutrition, the author of Albion's research notes, a real expert in the interest of uh, of mineral nutrition, joins us today with an update of uh, what's uh, the latest and the most interesting in research surrounding minerals, inviting you to join us at 800-307-3002 and offering to you an additional resource at www.albion, A-L-B-I-O, Albion-A-N.com. And we were talking about um, particularly minerals relating to bone health, calcium, magnesium, copper, zinc, manganese, and, and boron. And knowing that the latest statistics of MAC show that the, um, the drug category that produces the second highest amount of money goes to acid-blocking drugs. Right. Um, you know, do, do, do some of these medications that, that affect um, acid and, and, of course, then digestion and you know, balance of flora, uh, for, example, for example, potentially affect bone health through these minerals? Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, that's one of the things that uh, is a... Uh, well, as you know, these uh, acid-blocking drugs are not taken short-term. For the most part, they're being taken long-term. Yeah. And because of the long-term use of an acid blocker or a proton inhibitor, as some of them are called, uh, you tend to have uh, a stomach area that is not acidic enough. And very often, to get proper absorption of uh, minerals from your diet or from your supplements, depending on what form of uh, mineral you're taking, your supplements... Uh, bioavailability or absorption of those minerals will be poor. Other factors, you know, certainly we've changed so many aspects of our diet from the processing of grains to fast food to, you know, food trucked from from countries from from afar. Uh Um, You know, what about general mineral content of foods? I was recently uh, talking, um, in fact, I ran into an interesting nutrition researcher who had been at uh, an international presentation and heard the USDA talk about 200 years ago, Americans ate a variety of 850 
different fruits and vegetables over a year period where the average American today eats 20 <laughs> different right. fruits and vegetables over a year's time, Max. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, a very, very important factor. But, you know, even if they were eating better in terms of overall intake of their fruits and vegetables, mm-hmm. with the current uh, situation with the mineral content of soil, uh, very often, you know, uh, these uh, foods will be uh, deficient in the minerals that you normally would associate them with. And, you know, there's uh, the uh, USDA has a book that uh, goes and lists all your foods and uh, vegetables, etc., and tells you, you know, what the nutritional content of these mm-hmm. should be right. uh, based on data from years past. And the truth of the matter is these uh, foods only will contain amounts of the mineral that is present in the soil. So, you know, there's no way to predict that, in fact, because you're taking all these fruits and vegetables in, that you're going to be getting sufficient amounts. And I've seen uh, at least some British studies indicate that if we take a look at that chemical composition of foods, uh, uh, even in a very recent period, from, from for example, 1940 through 1990, mm-hmm. we see a, a rapid decline in mineral levels in the foods that we would consider to be healthy and, and good sources of nutrients, Max. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think, uh, oh, about two, three weeks ago, I came across a study that was specifically dealing just with magnesium. And the amount of magnesium in the diet at the turn of the 19th century was tremendous compared to today. And today it's, uh, as you know, one of the real problem nutrients. Incredible indeed. So if we take a look at you know some of our more common conditions, uh, for example, CDC now says better than one in four Americans will have, for example, joint dysfunction in their lifetime. Uh, what minerals do we think of uh, in terms of um, uh, conditions like osteoarthritis, Max? Well, there's uh, several things involved with osteoarthritis that uh, uh, require mineral intake. And one of the minerals that's often overlooked is a mineral called manganese. And manganese is required to stimulate the formation of the cartilage and uh, connective tissue that holds the joint together. But oftentimes, as you know, arthritis is a reflection of a loss of uh, cartilage at the articulation right. between bones. And so manganese is very important there. In fact, you know, taking manganese along with glucosamine is probably a, a nice combination to take for people suffering from that. And, of course, you know, other things involved with actual bones, of course, we've sure. already mentioned, but those things are important as well because one of the things that can happen is that you'll start wearing down bone, you know, where the uh, cartilage is uh, not present. And what about in, in the situations that we find all too commonly, you were talking about diseases associated, associated with these reactive oxygen species, mm-hmm. chronic inflammation. Does that have a role to play in terms of uh, you know, how our body uh, is either sufficiently, sufficiently or, or not deficient in certain minerals, Max? Well, the thing is, all these uh, minerals that are known to be involved with the superoxide dismutases and the glutathione peroxidases uh, are needed in greater quantities by people who are suffering from things such as Crohn's disease and things such as that. But they've also found it to be important in a variety of lung diseases, including asthma, uh, you know, 
dental problems, you name it. It's uh, important that these trace minerals of manganese, mm -hmm. zinc, and copper in particular be taken uh, in sufficient quantity. And as you know, zinc is not often taken in sufficient quantity. And the truth right. is, in a lot of areas, copper is insufficient. And uh, the other thing that's helpful in uh, fighting against these ROS or reactive oxygen species-induced disorders is selenium. And, uh, you know, that's uh, something that they find very, very helpful in areas such as prostatic cancers and right. things such as that. And we were recently talking here on the air, uh, Medscape uh, reprinted a very interesting article uh, uh, talking about how selenium deficiency is all too common in pregnancy, and that may have a role to play even in thyroid function, uh, Max. Right. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things that uh, people don't realize is that the thyroid really does require selenium, and uh, it's important to uh, your thyroid function per se and uh, pregnancy of course puts the stress on everything sure sure so we've been talking recently um, uh, you know certainly about vitamin D it continues to be in the news vitamin mm -hmm. D for, for, for pregnancy about uh, prenatal vitamins about multivitamins and minerals in particular and I've heard a lot of experts say uh, a good high quality multiple vitamin and mineral will have triple digits of important uh, minerals like selenium and chromium um, so, so what are some of the, the minerals um, that all of us should consider consuming supplementally on a daily basis, Max? Well, as you can imagine, it probably varies uh, with all of us. But sure. if you're just to take and consider yourself to be the average U.S. citizen, mm -hmm. uh, if you're a male, I think that you have to really consider supplementing magnesium and zinc and selenium female uh, I would say calcium, magnesium, zinc, and iron. Uh, and uh, selenium is important to the female as well, but, uh, you know, I think males actually have a, a greater need for selenium. So that being said, um, obviously there's a, a lot of different choices out there when it comes to forms of these minerals. And given the fact that we take a look at the incidence of conditions like um, gastrointestinal dysfunction, heartburn, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, acid indigestion, right. um, you know, walk us through in terms of, for example, key minerals that appear for, for both genders, magnesium well, and zinc. Does the form matter in terms of absorption, Max? Sure. Well, uh, the true chelate form, uh, magnesium glycine chelate, uh, calcium glycine chelate, things such as that. The thing about the true chelate, um, the mineral amino acid chelate, is that their absorption doesn't require acid. And so with the amount of uh, acid-inhibiting medication being taken today uh, and uh, other factors in the diet, the bioavailability of these uh amino acid chelated forms of minerals does not require that acid and therefore uh, are much more uh, well absorbed in the presence of that situation. It's also been found that in people suffering from Crohn's disease that the amino acid chelates are more effective as well. So, you know, I think that uh, that is uh, one recommendation based on the, uh, the acid inhibiting medications. I, I would recommend anybody on them to make sure that they take their mineral system, mineral amino acid Chelate. The other thing is, you know, oftentimes people will take their minerals in the morning with their breakfast. Right. And the problem that you run into there is that if you're trying to be healthy and you're eating a high-fiber cereal or 
whatever, if it's high fiber, fibers will uh, bind with your salt forms of minerals and take them out as an un- unabsorbable uh, phytic acid uh, mineral combination. And the other thing, you know, about the mineral amino acid chelates that I've mentioned is that they don't react with the phytates as much as the salt forms, and therefore you'll get good absorption even with a high-fiber diet with a mineral amino acid chelate. Intriguing, intriguing. Now, knowing that that many people have used the laxative effect of magnesium citrate as mm-hmm. uh, as a key in terms of determining how much magnesium their body needs, wh- what do the studies tell us in terms of magnesium uh, you know, glycine chelates? In terms well, of, is there a range of optimal dosages, uh, Max? Well, what uh, we find with the magnesium amino acid chelate, and we have one that's a magnesium glycine or bisglycinate chelate is that the individual doses actually can be taken at higher levels without causing that type of laxation. And, uh, in fact, I, I know people who are taking 400 milligrams, the RDI, for the magnesium in a single dose without having any problem. Uh, so, you know, in terms of causing laxation, the chelate is not going to do that for the magnesium form. In fact, at Henry Ford Hospital here in Detroit, Michigan, they were uh, doing a study on magnesium supplementation and people suffering from migraine headaches. Mm-hmm. And in these individuals, they were taking anywhere from 800 to 1,600 milligrams of magnesium a day. And one of the main reasons that they switched to the mineral amino acid chelate form is that was the only form that they found that patients could take that wouldn't get this laxation effect and therefore increased compliance in these individuals. And it was interesting, they had done research on brain levels of magnesium and people suffering from migraine, and guess what? Magnesium brain levels and people suffering from migraine are low. And I've heard that from researchers at the Cleveland Clinic as well. And you wonder, given the incidence of headaches in this country, particularly headaches that we're seeing at younger ages, you know, mm-hmm. how, do, how do we get the word out to the average healthcare consumer and to those healthcare practitioners, Max? Boy, that's a, that's a, a real conundrum, isn't it? It's, you know, <laughs> try as we might, uh, oftentimes the positive messages about things don't get out there. The negative ones always do. And uh, just seems to be that people like to talk about things that go bad rather than things that go good. But I think all we can do in the uh, health area, Healthy Talk Radio, our company who produces mineral amino acid chelates, we just need to concentrate on trying to get information out to the media to share with the pub- public so that this becomes common knowledge. And it's just going to take a lot of steady work. You know, recently um, uh, we have had yet a, uh, again a guest that's been here on and off for the past 10 years, a neurologist uh, actually nominated for a Nobel Prize of Max uh, for his work in looking at the blood vessels of people who have migraines or strokes or autism or attention deficit or brain injury in a way that nobody else does and, mm-hmm. and sees, uh, you know, vessels in spasm, damaged vessels, and his primary uh, uh, therapeutic modality, and he's used topical nitroglycerin. You know, he used uh, you know many of the uh, you know the calcium channel blockers. Is now magnesium. He right. is able to, uh, and I've seen some of his patients once autistic, you know, 60 years post stroke, literally returned to normal. 
because he uses magnesium in particular as this agent to relieve the spasm of the blood vessel. You know, allow these areas that have been damaged by lack of blood flow, ischemia from from stroke or brain injury to heal with just amazing well, clinical Well, you know, success. that is uh, such an important finding and recommendation because the more they study the various vascular disorders that uh, end up in causing strokes and heart attacks and things such as that, and, of course, blood vessel problems that you mentioned that he was looking into, magnesium is known to stabilize uh, the vasculature and uh, help fight against that type of problem. Uh, they're finding more and more in all varieties of cardiovascular problems that magnesium is really, really a critical, critical mineral. And, of course, we could uh, use more of that mineral. We'll be back with more of Max Motika joining us today, pharmacist director of the Human Products uh, Division at Albion Advanced Nutrition, offering to you an additional resource of what we're talking about, the latest of minerals in the news at www.albion.com. Hyphen-an.com. Open phone lines to talk to you right here on Healthy Talk Radio. She scours six newspapers, every major medical journal, and dozens of websites every day. If it affects your health, you'll hear it from Deborah Ray. Mineral nutrition is one of his main interests. He's at the forefront of the mineral nutrition research and education industry. Max Motika joining us today, and we uh, offered you the further resource of www.albion.com. Let's say hello and welcome to Sam. You're on the air with uh, pharmacist Max Motika. Sam? Yes, uh, two quick questions. Uh, You mentioned... Uh, for arthritis, you mentioned man- manganese, and there was another mineral. I didn't quite get that. Uh, well, manganese was important uh, in arthritis for the fact that it's a catalyst in the formation of the uh, cartilage that often is well is degraded in uh, arthritic conditions. Uh, the other thing that, uh, in terms of minerals, are just things that support bone. And uh, those are things like calcium, magnesium, copper, and zinc. Yeah, I, I thought you mentioned glucosamine too. Well, yeah, but that's not a mineral, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> calcium, yeah, I, I'm talking about the minerals, but I did mention glucosamine because the glucosamine is uh, basically knitted into cartilage, and the presence of manganese is what stimulates the enzymatic knitting, if you will, of cartilage out of the glucosamine. Okay, I thought I missed something there. Uh, the other question, uh, I take magnesium gluconate, which is a, it's a white powder I buy at the pharmacy. Mm-hmm. I take like 1,200 milligrams a day. Is that the right kind of magnesium, and is it a sufficient amount? I have an irregular heartbeat. Oh, I see. Yes, and well, then you probably are aware that you need to take magnesium and potassium for the most part because those are both very, very important for people who suffer from irregular heartbeats. I do. Uh, so magnesium gluconate that you're taking uh, in terms of absorption is uh, not one that's uh, of high relative absorption. Uh, the magnesium uh, amino acid chelate or magnesium bisglycinate has been shown to have uh, a better relative absorption rate, and I recommend that over the gluconate. But, you know, if you can't find it, certainly you have to go with what you can get. But uh, 1,200 milligrams a day uh with the relative absorption, now do you take that in three doses, four doses? Two doses. Two? Two, okay. yes. And you have no problem with tolerance? No. 
that just shows you you need it, right? Yes. So, yeah, and uh, you probably would get more effective absorption if you spread that out because I know that uh, with minerals like calcium and magnesium in particular, the higher the dose you take at a single dose, uh, the relative absorption will be decreased, and you'd probably be better off taking that in three doses rather than in two. Sam, good question. We're going to have to uh, have you back for part two because there's always more, and it's always a privilege and pleasure and so interesting. We listen and learn. Max, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Max Motika joining us today. He directs the Human Products Division as a pharmacist at Albion Advanced Nutrition, where they're all about mineral nutrition research and education. Uh, I'm Deborah Ray reminding you to live long, stay healthy.